0: Hey, what's up? This is Aaron and this is episode eight of the Recovered AF podcast. Uh, Now my buddy Kyle is going to say something.
1: Hey, yeah, how's it going this Kyle? We are not affiliated in any way at all with any 12-step organization whatsoever. Uh, Like we always say, we're just a couple of dudes sharing our experience. And today we have a new guest that I'm going to let Aaron introduce. Thanks.
0: Yeah. Before I do that, though, before I do that, will you um, give out that email one more time?
1: Yes. Uh, you can reach out to us at recoveredafpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find this podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, pretty much all the major platforms.
0: Uh, yeah, that's right, and uh, we're still awaiting that first email. Uh, we thought we thought we had one, but we sort of got duped.
1: Yeah, we had a false one. So I was I, really excited. I called you about it and everything.
0: Yeah, and Kyle talked about incentivizing that email. So maybe, maybe to incentivize it, perhaps if we offered. Our first email maybe a lock of your hair. <laughs> My hair? <laughs> yeah. It is feathered and lethal today. Or so. I was thinking about this. Our guest today is a tall and handsome man who was formerly a football player. And I'm sure somewhere in his house or in his parents' house, there might be a photo of him maybe wearing a football uniform. And I'm sure some... Lucky guy or gal listening would enjoy a photo of that. Yeah. In and exchange some, for being our first emailer.
1: Some tight football pants and everything. Yeah, yeah.
0: exactly. So and that like so like that guy that we have, the former football player, his name is Josh, and he's with us representing yet another fellowship. What's up, Josh? Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely, man. I'm excited. And do you want to explain how we know you?
2: Yeah, of course. So um, <clears throat> I know uh, Aaron from uh, long, a long time actually so I ended up marrying uh, a cousin of his and awesome. so that's how I got involved with uh, with this guy here. Um, so yeah, that's been like, 10 years about since I met him. Wow. So it's
0: been a good chunk of time
1: and you and I just met today today. I think yeah, yeah so absolutely. awesome.
0: Yeah, married into this family. Yep. Well, yeah, <laughs> so that should tell you something's wrong with you. Yeah, in the it first was, place. Yeah, it was willing to. <laughs> we'll get to. That. It wasn't forced. Yeah, and and so like I said, he's part of a, another fellowship, and um, that fellowship is for uh, friends and family members of alcoholics. Is that correct? That's correct? Is that what it is?
2: Yep. Uh, so the, the organization or not organization, the the twelve step program I'm affiliated with is Al-Anon. And so it's basically uh, support for friends and family um, dealing with the effects of alcoholism, whether that be, um, you know, current drinking in the home, um, or the ramifications of years of that via childhood or, mm-hmm. or other situations.
1: Gotcha. And before being married into Aaron's family, did you have? A prior history of people in your family having yes. drinking problems.
2: Yeah, and I think that's the interesting thing is you know uh, I I went into my twelve step program for a specific purpose um, to really kind of understand my wife's drinking, mm-hmm. and you know as naive as as I once as I once was you know I thought it was going to be a little manual on how to keep you know things under control right. uh, when you know that there's a problem with alcohol in the home. So, um, but as I got through the program, I started realizing there's been pattern of these relationships in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, m- my family history, um, does have, uh, alcohol abuse, uh, in it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we always, uh, we always say it was marrying into this crazy family, but, um, I come from a, from a very you know diverse family as well. And, and I think a lot of people are similar to right. uh, my situation.
1: Absolutely. And then, um, do you, drink normally like have you ever had any issues drinking or nope. anything like that no? no i'm
2: I'm considered a normie for sure right. I'm, I'm actually you know not much of a drinker at all um it's it's funny uh you know I, I tend to go overboard and have like three or four beers and i'll just be donezo and i'll have the worst hangover the next day so <laughs> yeah. i am not a drinker my body has never really Liked being, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, having alcohol in it. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's few and far between now, like guys trips and uh, stuff like that. I'll partake. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm not, it's, I don't really see the benefit in it. Right. So I have a, a beer every now and then if I really feel like it, but it's more for the taste.
0: Yeah. So. Drinking for the taste. <laughs> yeah. If, yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so what I was hoping maybe you could take me back to that, that first um, experience you had then with your fellowship, you, you uh, you had a pre preconceived idea of what it was going to be when you got there, and then that's not what it turned out to be. basically, what you just alluded to, correct?
2: Correct. Yeah. So I think it it was interesting. I went in there for a specific reason, and like a lot of people that are in Al-Anon, um, I realized very quickly it's it's our own little language that we have almost, and it's it's really for a way for a group of people to realize that oh my gosh, I I didn't cause it. I can't cure somebody else's drinking, but I can complicate the heck out of it. And, and my mind will take these complications in my relationship to a whole nother level that I was not able to grasp until I actually started doing some work in the program. Right. So when I, I went in for for her, is kind of what I wanted, what I started going. And then after a while, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm here for me. Wow. And, and really kind of her drinking, whether she's drinking or not, um, you know, really I should be set up. In, a, in my program you know enough to where I can handle that and have the tools that I need to to live whether she's drinking or not
0: so, so. that so that's what brought you to it the first time you were like uh, it was more like a I'm here to support my wife kind of thing. And then you got in there and you're like, wait, something might be wrong with me.
2: Yeah. You know, it's funny because I've always had these nicknames, you know, because as you guys alluded to, my name is Josh. And so there was always these things that I would like, judgmental Josh was one of my nicknames, right? (laughs) Right. So this thinking didn't start just when I started, you know, seriously dating an alcoholic. Uh, A lot of this thinking, you know, took place in my childhood and then uh, kind of away it was like, oh my gosh, I'm the one that's actually the problem here. And I think that's the biggest part of of the story that I have with my wife is that everybody was visibly seeing her kind of go off the rails mm-hmm. and nobody was really seeing behind the scenes, me going off the rails or what was going on in my mind. Right. I didn't have a safe place to do that. Wow. Um, so anyways, that's been the power of the program for me being like, okay, wow, these are my issues and I have to deal with this and they weren't as visible, um, as my wife's, but they were definitely there and causing a lot of problems. Yeah.
1: Now, Aaron and I are a part of two different fellowships. However, we we have the same literature that we use. Do you guys what literature do you guys yep. use?
2: So I've 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 gone about it a couple different ways. The first time I went through the steps, I did it with the big book. Oh, so cool. very similar to your literature. I just we would change. Certain words instead of drink, it'd be think mm-hmm. or judgment uh, or judgmental, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. So, we, we use the same, very same literature, very similar steps as well. Yeah. So, that's just the way that I went about it, which cool. was good. There's also another way you can do it um, with uh, more of a writing. It's called Blueprint for Success. And that's another way where you can you can write out, and it doesn't really follow the big book as mm-hmm. much, but it's Al Anon approved literature. Cool. Um, I found the nuts and bolts of the actual big book to be a little more helpful for me Yeah. Um, just because I could relate to a lot of those stories on both, um, okay, my wife was this way for sure, but here's what I did with that. And mm-hmm. so what she might interpret a sentence in that book to mean would be one thing, but I would interpret it slightly different.
0: Right, so. yeah. And uh, I guess I wanted, the other thing I wanted to touch on was you said that... Um, this wasn't the first relationship in your life that maybe you'd had with a problem drinker. Um, you had some, some, and I don't want you to, you know, throw anybody under the bus on mm-hmm. our show, but you've had some previous, you know, relationships that maybe, I don't, I don't know, yeah. maybe a normal person wouldn't have had, you, would you say, like with other heavy drinkers or problem drinkers? Or? Yes,
2: yeah, and so I think that was the pattern that came out after uh, I kind of started to get healthier. in in my 12-step program was realizing, oh, my goodness, this isn't just... Suddenly, this situation with uh, with at the time she was uh, my long term girlfriend, but now she's my wife. But uh, it did did precede that. Um, Most of my uh, the females that I dated, and you know I was a football player, as you alluded to, so there was quite a few women around. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, A lot of them that I was attracted to had drinking problems, and it's you go back to gals that I dated uh, constantly through high school, um, in, in college, of course, and then you know past college, and it was drinking was the theme for all of them. Uh, they always seem to like to party you Mm -hmm. know Um, that being said i've had some friends that have been uh, in in in, at times very serious drinkers and it's been a very difficult deal uh, to deal with that as well Um, and so and then you look at my family situation um, you know i've had uh, on my mom's side specifically um, there's been quite a bit of of drinking and i lost an uncle very very young um, to the disease of alcoholism Mm -hmm. so it's been in there, it was part of it. And then, um, you know, I described my mom as untreated Al-Anon. And so she grew up in an environment where both of her parents were alcoholics and there was a lot of violence uh, in the home Mm -hmm. as well. And so that's a very toxic situation. And then obviously the the way that she raised me and my brother um, was a direct impact of that. So while I didn't grow up with the actual drinking with my parents, The effects of of what my mom went through and experienced in her childhood reverberated throughout my childhood and and made me question a lot of things Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah okay there
1: we go yeah um so when you began to participate in in your fellowship did um did you jump right into action like i know for me that wasn't my experience i was kind of hesitant to, I mm-hmm. guess, just out of, you know, fear and stuff. And I've talked about that before, but what were you directly into the 12 steps or was there yeah. like a process into that? Or
2: there was a, I would say probably about a month where I was just going to meetings. I was trying to go to like two or three a week, mm-hmm. uh, was the way that I started it, but I jumped in right away. Yeah. I got a sponsor right away, oh, which wow. is, is, is one thing that I've noticed in Al-Anon being in there long enough now, people don't really grab onto a sponsor as quickly as I think they should. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that should is a difficult word uh, in fellowship, but um, it's one of those where I couldn't have seen myself sticking with it if I didn't actually buckle down and do the work. Wow. Um, the other part of me was, you know, thinking, okay, I'll hammer this list out It's 12 steps. Boom. I I love lists. I love crossing things <laughs> off of lists. So uh, I naturally gravitated towards, okay, I'm just going to just, you know, knock these out. And mm-hmm. then, you know, as I started to really dive into them, it was like, ooh, this is not going to go as quickly as I thought. Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
1: So, and then, um, <clears throat> like, I... I'm not super familiar, but I, I do believe that, like, the, the common narrative is that there's not a, a, a ton of men that are sponsoring in Al-Anon. Is that accurate? That's
2: accurate, at least my experience. Yeah. Now, there could be pockets that I don't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I live in the Denver metro area, yeah. and so we've got a pretty good population. Uh, there's um, a lot of good uh, recovery and fellowship there. If you're looking for somebody that's, uh, you know, willing and able to sponsor, um, it's tough. Yep. A- and, and Aaron knows that because I reached out to him a couple times saying, hey, you know, I got in a situation with my first sponsor, which I'm very grateful for, for him introducing me to Alan and getting me through the first uh, 12, the first time I went through the steps. I'm very grateful for that. However, it kind of got to a point where I needed something a little different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was very hard for me to find another man that was willing to, you know, take those 10 step calls, work the steps for with me, like through a different set of uh, set of views and a different perspective, which I'm always looking for to keep my uh, spiritual program as healthy as it can be. Wow,
0: yeah, Kyle stole my question. Did I? Thanks,
1: Kyle. Sorry, dude. Thanks a lot. You and I are basically the same person, so I'm not surprised we thought that. Yeah,
0: that's right. Um, Sometimes the the thing I think maybe that comes to mind now is um maybe you could describe a little bit of your personal experience with is like um. I don't, you know, I have an outside understanding of Al-Anon. I don't have the actual, I don't have any experiential understanding of the program. And so what I see a lot, and maybe, you know, our listeners that are familiar with 12-step programs altogether, um, they see this, what they perceive to be a support fellowship for, you know, people with alcoholics and how do we deal with them. But when I hear Al-Anon's talk, the common thing is like, I went there to be support or how to figure out how to help fix my, other person. And then I realized that I was as equally as spiritually sick. Could you maybe just like, you know, a, a, as you can recall for us, what that was like realizing that maybe that it wasn't them, that there was something wrong with you. And and you touched on it earlier. You seem to always um, be attracted to those project girls. <laughs> um, you know, with the drinking problems, oh, but yeah. could you like tell us what that was like? Cause I don't think people probably have a good understanding of that because normal people, you know, they, they get in a relationship with a with a problem drinker and they just leave, right? They don't sit there and hang it out, right? They don't, yep. they, they don't hang on for dear life. Mm-hmm. They just go the other way where there's a certain set of people that um, then dig their heels in, in that relationship.
2: Yeah. So two things on there that, I, that I'd like to talk on, one would be be the spiritual aspect of the program. Um, for me, that was something that I always really battled with. And so I guess looking at it from a other 12-step program, there's that common denominator of this kind of spiritual uh, god hole, right, that we talk about. And um, I, didn't, I didn't have that either. I was kind of force-fed religion growing up. And I went kind of rebelled against that. I didn't really use a higher power. Um, and then I had some tragic things happen. I had a, a really good friend of mine die in a stomobiling accident. And uh, he was very spiritually fit. And I was extremely angry at God, uh, or whatever higher power you want to use in place of the word God. So it was very hard for me to um, come to terms. And I actually had a huge resentment built up against religion uh, and spiritual uh, aspects of it. Because somebody's that great shouldn't be taken from us. And I felt that was just completely... And that, that sidetracked me for for a lot of years. <laughs> so the spiritual development... I, I didn't have a, a space to do that until I actually started looking at the structure of the program, and that's where it was able to click in for me. And it was to my, it was a god of my understanding, which was another thing that was never really told to me growing up. It was, this is what my parents thought. This is what this congregation of people, like-minded people, think. Mm-hmm. So we should believe it. I don't know if I ever really bought into that wholeheartedly, mm-hmm. and so I needed to get to that moment on my own. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then part two of that. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I puffed myself up thinking that I was better than others because um, that was a huge problem, especially in my relationships, always comparing myself to their situation and always being slightly better. Now, the slightly better in a public setting, yes. Slightly better in a personal setting, I don't know. That's that's tough because I wasn't really being true and honest to myself. So, But I always would have these people that would be in my life that i was always just a little bit better than and my mind would play tricks on me saying okay well you hang on to this because you're the you're you have it together the most in your little circle where so you're like, okay, wow, I'm the biggest fish in this little tainted pond. Yeah. <laughs> so really, where does that leave you in life? I don't know. So, um, it, it, but I, I was attracted to that because I, I didn't want I didn't want people asking me about my problems. I never felt safe emotionally to say, hey, I'm having issues with this and this. It was always, oh my god, did you see that train wreck of a bender this last weekend? Yeah. <laughs> like th- how I reacted or how I was judge- judgmental. Of the whole thing never really was very public. Mm. It was uh, behind the scenes. So. Right i don't now, know if that answers the questions but yeah.
1: yeah i think so now um we we interviewed your wife she's mm-hmm. been on the podcast she had referenced you actually reading reaching a point of powerlessness be like a week before her i think is how she had described it where you had kind of been like you know what like there's nothing i can do can you sh- shine some light on that
2: yeah um like like most typical al-anons you know i tried to um Rally family members. Um, I tried to rally her friends. Um, I tried to control her drinking. I tried to take away her keys. I tried to hide her keys. Um, I tried to, you know, uh, make her be the DD, which never really worked (laughs) out. Um, (laughs) I tried to drink up and keep up as much as I could, but I'm not a drinker, so I never. I'd feel miserably at Mm -hmm. that. At the very end, I, I realized I felt so alone because I was the only one that truly, truly knew how bad things were. And I felt like I was on an island with trying to figure it out myself. Wow. And we're talking a period of years, right, mm-hmm. uh, that we'd been together. And I had got to the point where it was absolute powerlessness. Honestly, giving up that there's going to be any hope at all mm-hmm. for the drinking situation in our home. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's scary to think that I got to that point of view. And, you know, honestly, that's, that's a good rock bottom moment for, for me and Al-Anon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and obviously didn't coincide quite the same way. Uh, This never really does on the same day for, (laughs) for, for, you know, the alcoholic in the relationship either. Um, but it was kind of trending that way. And I mean, we even moved, we moved to the other side of town. Uh, we moved to a very well-to-do area, you know, with that kind of perfect house image. Um, we did all that. And, and, and luckily we weren't in that house too long before, before that was able to, to get remedied on her side, but I also got healthier too. And so I think that's the, the key piece of it as well, but it was completely alone Feeling like I had no ally, even from a higher power, that would help me with her drinking. Mm -hmm. And I was the only one seeing the effects of it.
1: Yeah. I would think that would be really hard, being, you know, like for me, um, I've always, my my sponsor calls it the illusion of control, where like I've always, I have this idea that like I have control over stuff still. Um, And I would think, you know, you being successful and a football player and like a, a big dude, you know, like, you probably get a lot of shit done. So to be in a position where you, you're completely powerless, I feel like that would, I mean, uh, I can only imagine. I think that's where our fellowships have that common ground is like the the hopelessness and the powerlessness of, of me as my drinking and you as
2: watching someone and being mm-hmm. like, there's nothing I can do. Absolutely. And I think that was what... I think that's why I literally at the end it was just about giving up because mm. I, I didn't have the tool set. I didn't know how to, in that hopeless of a situation, to actually try to improve. And I'm a very driven individual like you kind of hinted on. Um, when when you don't have that drive or you don't see the benefit of that drive, it's a scary place to live. Yeah. And then it's a scary place for me to think about an actual, okay, this is a defective character on my part because I actually think I can control her drinking, <laughs> yeah. right? Which was never the case either. Um, So, and, uh, you know, honestly, having that power taken away from me was a way for me to actually move forward in the program. Mm -hmm. So, that's always something that I say is, you know, hey, we had the perfect home, the perfect front yard, everything on the outside looked amazing, but inside it was broken Mm -hmm. and it was ugly Mm -hmm. Um, and it was hopeless and we did pull it together. Luckily, together, and I realize not everybody's able to to have that same success, mm-hmm. but that's what I always try to communicate with the hope of the program because we, we're there. And you know, as, as sick as I was, and I, I don't know if, if, if my wife mentioned this on the on the on the podcast, I think she did. But you know, we have a little son now, yeah. and um, you know, I never thought that we'd have a child. Now, sure, I was sick enough thinking, okay, I could probably stay married to her, I could probably keep it together, just her and I. I was never going to subject a child to our situation ever. Wow. Uh, so it was pretty powerful to be able to actually be okay and on board and look forward to the next phase of life
0: and bringing life into this world. Absolutely. So, how long were you guys together? How long? Like how long were you guys together? Um, and you, you guys didn't get married till after she was sober, right? That's pretty cool. Yep. Um, how long were you guys together before things started changing, before you hit your bottom and before she sought out sobriety?
2: Yeah, so I think we were, I, I, we were right about, uh, let's see, what was that, Dean? So we were probably about six to seven years of you know, relationship. We did distance for the first couple of years, um, but we were you know dedicated, serious relationship for sure. So um, I look back on it and being, okay, we hit that seven-year itch with some major baggage and we were able to get through that together. Now it just co- it coincided that I was able to get healthy enough to actually really commit the rest of my life to her, and that happened after she got sober. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I also live, and I, I have to live with this in my mind too—that she can, you know, uh, you know, fall off the wagon or go back at any point. I have to be able to be prepared to be strong enough, not only for me but for our son, when that happens. Um, so um, yeah, it, it, it kind of coincided that we all. That she got healthier, I got healthier, and then the idea of together and the commitment that we had to hitting rock bottom and working hard every day for our our, for our programs and for each other and for ourselves um, was a huge commitment that Mm -hmm. was more than just about a marriage. And so, um, but luckily, it's it's beautiful and it flows like that. And you know, Aaron was obviously able to see the benefits of that with being at her wedding, and it was a good time. A lot of the family had a good time. (laughs) So (laughs) good, um, but it was wonderful.
0: Everybody had a very good time. <laughs> good time was had by all. Yep. That was on my uh, that was on my out trip. That was yeah. during my out trip. I felt terrible. <laughs> this is how it went. Um, uh, I'm sober. I 12 step Amy into the program, and then she, you go back. out. She does well. She says, "Hey, um, I've re- always valued our relationship. Would you consider getting ordained and 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 being our, you know, officiating our ceremony?" And I was like, "Yeah, absolutely. It'd be an honor." <laughs> and then it was like two months later. I was like, "Hey." yeah. Uh, I don't know if you still want me to do this, but uh, I'm <laughs> not, not sober anymore. Oh no, yeah. dude, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, and she was like, oh, of course I do, because, you know, I didn't ask you because you were sober, I asked you because you were you, and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> right in the feelers.
1: So you did it while you were yeah on the outs?
0: I, uh I partook in some of the uh, sacrament <laughs> that weekend, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and I had a nice bottle of scotch with me, and... uh it was. We made it through. I felt like uh, I honestly, to this day, I don't know if Josh knows this. I felt like I could, I really wasn't able to be a part of that. Like I know I would be today. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I was just just discon- just disconnected as a person, and uh, I appreciated being there and you know doing the thing that I could. But I was certainly feeling quite disconnected. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> the one, the other thing I was going to ask you, speaking of of that and, and having some time in and uh and then being back out as my wife has also had some experience with that fellowship and enough to get healthy and this is just such a credit to that fellowship and what it does to help people in their internal condition to where as this last time she had told me you know she would sort of laid it down she was like hey like if you fuck around again i gotta go and then that's what happened and um and then she left, you know, and I was talking with another one of an alcoholic and we just sometimes think we're just the center of the universe. And he was talking about like the way people should handle us and whether, how best to help us. And I had to set him straight. I was like, bro, my wife didn't leave because she was trying to help me and help me hit a bottom. She left cause she had to for her own fucking sanity, right? It had nothing to do with me. And to her credit, like because of this fellowship, she had gotten to that point where she was like, look, do what you're going to do i don't really It's not really my thing anymore but like i gotta go for my own sanity kind of you know
2: yeah i think that's uh that's a that's a common trait that you hear in a lot of this is you know okay people come into the rooms right away and they're like okay how do i control this person and <laughs> and, and and make them walk the line um you really get to the point where you know it's not really up to us al and we have to not, it's not that we're just going to salvage whatever's left, but we have to find our own place to walk in this life whether that with that alcoholic or not. It's very hard when you love somebody, and I know that there's a lot of people out there that uh, struggle with addiction, and they have loved ones that struggle with addiction. It's so hard to seek an environment where you can get feel like you can get help and you can get support to where you actually aren't tied to that alcoholic. The way that I view it is, okay, we were on a sinking ship, and I was knowingly clicking into my wife's bag of rocks and heading down that's Mm -hmm. that's that's the way it was i had i had to get to a point where it's like okay wait a minute it's okay for me to unhook from this bag of rocks i don't have to go down with her and as as selfish as that might sound it was actually um one of the best things i could have done for my own confidence and my own spiritual growth and my own emotional health wow
1: yeah um so one of the benefits of the podcast and i think the things aaron and i really like is because we're not at a meeting level, we can kind of get into the weeds a little bit more. Um, What is, I I would like to know what, what is your amends process like, right? Was it amends to just your wife? Is there other amends that you had to make that are as a result of, you know, your condition and stuff?
2: Yeah, so, uh, you know, going, stepping stepping back a minute, Alanon has helped me in in all my relationships, I'll say that. Um, I've got a difficult family situation that I've struggled with for years. Now, like I mentioned before, there's not active drinking in that environment, so, but I still had resentments and loads of them. So yes, I had to, when I did my my inventory and went through it, I had to own what was mine and all those relationships. And and my list was pretty substantial. You know, I had uh, 22 people that I had to, or I say people, places, or institutions, um, that I had to make amends for. And it was, you know, the same kind of thing, a lot of riding up front, preparing for it with my sponsor, um, and then being able to find when the timing is right and when I'm ready and when my higher power wants me to jump into that mode and actually make that amends process. Wow. Um, I was very nervous going in. It was a very tough thing to do, like it is for everybody in all programs, because um, I, I caused a lot of issues, and it wasn't as tangible like, or vi- as visible, like I mentioned, but there was a lot of under the, under the waves. There was a lot of rocking right. going on right. that I was a part of, and so I had to own my part in, in a lot of relationships. Wow. Now, it's helped uh, in some relationships, and other relationships have kind of just been the way that it was. Um, I think that people were shocked that I was willing to go to this effort to actually seek them out, um, especially being a man and talking about emotions freely, which is a very difficult thing. Yeah. (laughs) A society issue as well, I I I think. Yeah. Um, That's what your wife was saying, too, to us
1: after the podcast was like, that's why this thing works is (laughs) because you've got guys, (laughs) hey, puppy. You have guys that are willing to be vulnerable and put themselves out there. So
2: Yeah, it, it, it was funny. The uh, um, One of the things that I remember with my wife, I, 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 I shared my story at a recovery center um, in Denver. And uh, it was funny because I, I felt all these eyes on me, and mm-hmm. I didn't really know what to make of it. I was just being honest and sharing kind of my experience. And, um, you know, I had never – my wife said that that was the most attractive – That she's ever seen being that vulnerable Mm -hmm. and open and talking about emotions, you know, um, even pro pro the foot or past the football (laughs) career, right? (laughs) Uh, That was the most attractive light that she's ever seen me in, which was a big testament to. That's awesome. Just shows you when you're open and out there, how many things kind of click in as well. And you know, uh, that's something I hope to teach uh, you know my son over time is to not you know be shied away from your emotion, be able to share those, and be be confident enough to share that vulnerability.
0: Right. Yeah. This is fantastic coming from a big, large football player, big, large, handsome football player <laughs> talking about this stuff. Yeah. Um, so you're talking about giving that back, though, and I would sort of wanted to ask you about that inside the fellowship, too. You you sponsor other Al-Anons, right? Yep. Um, so our fellowships are, are predominantly um, men, just because for whatever reason, this seems to affect men at a higher rate which means then that your fellowship is predominantly women so it can be it'll be tough to a find a man and and b find a man to sponsor like we talked about earlier but like when did you when did you feel comfortable doing that or was it something where your sponsor was like all right we're to 12 now get out there and do it or like what's your experience been with sponsoring other men
2: Yeah, um, I definitely felt throughout how I felt very lucky that I was able to grab onto a sponsor right away because I could have languished in Al-Anon, and and who knows what would have happened Mm -hmm. then, and so I always try to share that with, with the newbies as well. You know, I always tell them to grab... Grab onto somebody that has what you want, and then talk to them. Even if they can't be your sponsor, you're gonna to have to start a fellowship with them. Um, but I was getting towards the end. I didn't. I, it took me a bit. I, I languished in my step four for a long time, uh, and I was with my first sponsor for uh, three and a half years, uh, almost four years. And so um, I think it was it was tough when um, I got. I was, I was kind of getting through the ninth step after my men's process is where he really kind of introduced this idea of service and that, okay, even though I wanted to wait till my little certificate to get completed, right, <laughs> yeah. with all 12 before I went out there and said, okay, I'm ready to be a sponsor. Um, all he kept saying was, y- you just need to talk to your higher power about it. When the time is right, it will be right. But all you have to do is be one step ahead of where they are. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a lot of truth to be that as well, because if you're not done with your journey, that's fine. But you need to be able to help somebody. Uh, that's reaching out. And I think that's where uh, I'm envious a lot of the times of the different 12-step programs that you guys are affiliated with, because that's that's a focal point of every meeting where it's hit and miss, where that's even brought up in an Al-Anon meeting. Right.
1: Now, um, do you, I don't know how it works. Like I know sometimes in 12-step fellowships, the one of the ideas is that you shouldn't sponsor cross-gender. Now, do you sponsor women at all since your fellowship is a little bit more women heavy or is that still kind of off limits or i don't it's, know how that works
2: it's still kind of off limits i would say that this last round there was there's a lot of women that have great recovery in al-anon and i'm not going to lie if it i was looking that direction mm-hmm. now obviously there's some hurdles that you have to get over with that some of these were older women so it wouldn't be you know as uncomfortable as right. somebody a little bit closer to my own age um, that being said, if, uh, I'm a firm believer that if somebody has what you have, you should try to see if that works, and not to push the boundaries, of course. But right. if there's if there's set boundaries there that you guys can talk about and everything's on the table, then absolutely, I don't think it, it needs to be gender specific. For sure, now, um, I feel um, more comfortable sponsoring a man right now, but this is. Um, my my first sponsor is my you know it's my first one going right. through so and he's he's on the tenth step right now so wow. yeah we're, we're working through he's doing a lot of good work and we're we're there's a great difference in age and that's another amazing thing with the program too is that you're like I don't have anything in common with these people well actually we do we have a lot in common yeah and there's a there's a span of you know fifty years between us wow. so it's a, it's a big deal
1: yeah that's one thing I have found too being um, younger is I've had. One sponsee that's younger than me, and every other person that I've sponsored has been older than I am. And when I came in, I'm like, "Yeah, I'm never going to sponsor anyone until I'm like 40, because nobody's going to want anything that I have to offer being 26 or whatever." And the the age thing doesn't even matter. No. no, I I the I I sponsored a guy for a year and a half before he moved, and um, you know, he was probably 55 or something. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just not a thing. You know, it's only as weird as I make it. I think. Yeah.
2: And I, and I think the the feedback that I've gotten from my sponsee is that he's been amazed at the uh, life lessons that I have, even though I'm a relatively younger person. Yeah. Uh, and so he doesn't see it that way either, and it's crazy because he's got a lot more life experience, but you know, sometimes you're on the same emotional experience level and looking for the same things. So. Absolutely.
1: Um, sorry, I'm asking a lot of questions. Do you have one? Oh, oh. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say... Um, Do you like for me? um, You know, I'm engaged to another alcoholic who's in Mm -hmm. recovery. Um, Do you find it difficult to work your own program and not your partner's? Anymore. Ooh. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: at, at first, when you get armed with these tools, if they you know becomes if there's an argument, you always try to use what new ammo <laughs> you yeah. have. Yeah. Like um, maybe you should do a ten step on this. Yeah. Huh? Maybe yeah. you should call your sponsor on that one. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Uh, I think it's it's tough. Uh, mm-hmm. I will say that it's been it, it has been a struggle. You know, my wife is a rock star in the program yeah. and, and it has a really good recovery. It's tough to live underneath that shadow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, granted, I don't work at the same pace, and 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 she doesn't work at the same pace now, and vice versa. We're never going to be synced up like that. But um, yeah, it, it 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 is a bit intimidating being married to her in that regard. But yep. yeah, there are moments where things get you can get tense, and you're like, wait a minute, you need to go do this. You need to go, and you get on that other other side of the street. Yep. And, and so, you know, again, you know, you got to figure out. Is this my side or her side and really kind of <laughs> yeah. use that as the dividing line? Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: So. That's been a big thing for me is um, just by doing it wrong, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. giving suggestions when that's not my role. My yep. role is to just listen and you know, like I I I have to really focus on not be putting myself in a higher than or oh I know the answer and yes. just be a supportive boyfriend and yes. fiance and that that for me that's all new like i don't do that generally absolutely you and
2: edison allen on that's even i think tougher for me because i've had this whole pattern of people i said okay i can fix you let me get in there and figure right. out what your problem is so yeah. then i take it one way when maybe it's not the case so you know, really living your life by that pause mentality really helps okay yeah. and figure out what's what's really yours, what's really hers. right I will say though for the couples that are I- I in the program is that it is your own language that you develop between the two of you and you're you're, you're a step ahead of where other people at and there are always, uh, there's a lot of people that are envious of our situation you know with how honest and free we live our life mm-hmm. uh, and the open communication that we have uh, and the growth that we continue to experience we don't really stagnate and that was a commitment that we made to each other when we got married wow. so
0: but that's yeah. awesome it's sort of tough though to, you know, have that relationship. Have you had that, that experience where at times you've grown at different paces and as a result of that, maybe shit got a little rocky in the relationship or like. Yes.
2: Especially when we're talking about family issues. Um, and so, um, you know, I think that Uh, Amy was able to get to a point with um, a lot of her resentments before I did with a lot of her family members. And it's still a little bit of a delicate uh, situation there. Uh, It's tough. It's really hard when they come out the other side, they're feeling better. They don't have this burden of resentment, but there's things that I still can't get over. And those are the issues that I have to deal with. Now I'm not running from them, but I'm not working them as vigorously as she was, Uh, and so I think that's one where I needed to pause for me to get to a complete uh, thought process with it. Um, I'm a very uh, introvert, introvert, and so I like to really kind of analyze everything first by myself before I really get to it, before I respond, so that pause mentality has really helped me, but it also kind of when you get into an argument or you realize, wait a minute, I'm a little bit further behind you are on uh, on this specific resentment, Um, you know, it can be tough, um, but we're not always on 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 the same list as far as the <laughs> resentments completely clear <laughs> right and there's people on both of our sides that are like that too uh, my family's you know uh, the same way you know mm-hmm. with a lot of things that have happened with her and mm-hmm. so she's not quite there yet but um working working hard to to clear all that baggage
0: Yeah. um so you so you said you went through the big book the first time and you know there's a sentence in there that describes this program as uh as a way of living and um maybe you could talk a little bit because i i I only have what i see in other people and since i again am not part of that but um with with people that qualify for that fellowship i've seen a lot of control issues and this need to control and this illusion that somehow getting this outside this the word i way i've heard described is like this need to get this out outside thing controlled is then going to fix this internal condition and by taking care of this external thing, it's gonna fix this internal thing, and I guess that's a lot what we did with alcohol or drugs and whatever. Um, but then when I saw, like, I saw it manifest just you know specifically with my wife, say maybe in her work situations, um, you know when I wasn't the thing anymore, and then or, or with her or her family, or just all, all of it in, in, in different areas of her life. And when, well, then when I got when she got well, I really got to notice the effects of this program, and like that's when I really was like there's something to this Al-Anon thing like all of a sudden my wife is a more relaxed more faithful just genuinely um, more energetic person so I thought was my question is have you seen that manifest in these other areas of your life like your jobs like your relationships with your buddies like in these other places and what maybe that looks like
2: yeah. It, it's made a, a profound impact. It's actually interesting. I've been struggling with a lot of work issues and, um, uh, my sponsor now is, has tasked me with treating it like an alcoholic relationship. You know, it's a, it's a corporate gig, but it's very tough to figure out what you can really control and what really matters in it. And it's been a very useful exercise and I've always had resentments towards work, but not working as rigorously on, okay. Um, you need to improve your work life because of how much stress it's it it, it the toll that it takes on you. Um, so that's one specific example. But yeah, my other relationships, um, yeah, my life has become easier. And, and, and I don't mean in the sense that I, I you know I hit the lotto and I don't have as many of the right. worries that I do. Um, uh, I mean that I don't carry a lot of the baggage with me. I don't carry these resentments that just build and build and build until you snap. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, I am a lot more at peace. Now, there's days that I have my moments, for sure. Um, but I have the program that helps kind of get me back on track, which is you know part of the daily readings that I, that I do. But it has helped. It helped. It's helped my relationship with my buddies. Honestly, it's helped the most with my relationship with myself. Uh, as an Al-Anon, I beat myself up a lot. If, if, if my perceived control of the situation didn't remedy a best, the best solution, I took that personal. Yeah. There was a reason I couldn't get my wife sober. I took that very personal at first and thought that was a failure on my part and beat mm-hmm. myself up over that. So I don't have that. I have a lot more self-confidence. I have a little, uh, a lot more confidence with expressing my emotions in a healthy way. Uh, and so I think all of that is a testament to the program coming out the other side, yep. but there are moments where it's still very challenging. Uh, and I, some days I'm just filled with, uh, resentment and fear. Mm-hmm. Fear is a big one for me, especially with, uh, the little guy now in, in our lives, you know, talk about contr- a test of control, you know, handing <laughs> yeah. off my son to a nanny, uh, right. that kind of thing yeah. you know, not being there with the nannies running all over town and mm-hmm. in crazy Denver traffic. Yeah. Um, yeah. I still have to to test that, but overall, my life is vastly improved, and my relationships are improved as well. And and I feel more confident about my relationships now because what I put into a relationship, I want to get out, and it's no more of just trying to fix the the, the sickest person in my life.
1: Yeah. Um. What What does your uh, eleven step practice look like today? Like, you know, I mean, is it a morning and a nightly routine? I
2: mean, mm-hmm. just. Will you shine some light on what you're doing? Yeah, so I do a couple different things. Um, One of the things that I did, uh, I actually... um, When I was exploring the 11th step um, a few years back, I ended up meeting uh, a prominent meditation guru in Denver. And uh, I was able to actually... You know, as much of a foreign concept as meditation was for me, because my mind could never... The goal of meditation for me is not to have the mind completely stop. It's just to calm it down Mm -hmm. a little bit, right? Angry seas go into a nice calm bay. Like, that's that's my realistic um, expectation of it. So um, it wasn't about getting to the point where I literally couldn't think about anything. Now, sometimes I do get there, and it's a very deep, uh, intense process with meditation. But um, I was able to kind of have... a guide to that, which really helped me. And then, yeah, it is uh, daily reading for sure. I, 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 I use that as part of my, uh, my mantras. And then, um, you know, also exploring different avenues of the spiritual being. Um, you know, I've been looking into some Buddhist Buddhism and seeing if that's more aligned with who I really am and, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of exploring spiritually as well. Um, mm-hmm. but again, um, it's all about that connection to your higher power, Right, and, and, I, and I stress that again because my sponsor wasn't a big, um, he was an agnostic. You know, he was um, almost an atheist at times. And so it was really good for me to go through the steps with him because it wasn't just this God being that reminded me of my childhood that I instantly wanted to rebel against. Right. I could actually say, okay, what does spirituality mean for me? And there's times where it just has to be something greater than myself, right? Um, yeah you know, the weather is a good one for me. And then also my dog, I think about my dog sometimes too, and people think that's ridiculous, but it's just something to get outside of myself. Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, do you and Amy's 11 step practices ever overlap? Like I know in the big book, it references like you could do it, do that together, you know, and like Megan and I, we just did that for the first time this morning, actually, where we took like 10 minutes and both did a meditation. We would both listen to the same guided meditation and stuff. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I actually really enjoyed it, and up until yesterday, I would have been like, "I'll never do that," you yeah. know. But do you guys overlap at all? Uh,
2: sometimes um, it's been getting a little bit. It's been it's more it's more difficult now with the little guy, right? Because he needs one of us all the time, and right? Because he's so young. Now over time, I think that yeah, we could probably get back into our our habit of that. But yeah, we, when we travel is the time that we actually come together a lot with that. So when we're on the other side of the world and we need to have a moment of peace or we're on a beach somewhere, you know, that's what, that's what we, that's what we find. And we share those moments and it's, it's a powerful moment yeah, for sure. It awesome. brings us closer together. Mm-hmm. But recently it's been a lot more. She does hers. I do mine kind yeah. of separate, but we're still doing it, which re- 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 still results in a very healthy living.
0: Right. Absolutely. That's your jam, right? Traveling. We had uh, Elaine on here several weeks ago, and her thing is uh, music and live shows and... um uh, you know, Ryan hits up the gym, and so like we we find people that get to live a free life now as a result of their respective programs. You guys uh, travel quite a bit, or I mean, I guess it's probably changed with an eight-month-old child, but that's sort of your thing, right?
2: Yeah, it is. Uh, we uh, when you clear out all that baggage, it's amazing. Like what you can what you can really think about. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about fear a lot in my life uh, on a regular basis, and it was traveling was one of those. It was it's a wild card, right? When she, when, when she was drinking, <laughs> yeah. oh my God. Like, what happens if I have to resuscitate her and we're in another country? They can hold me for, you know, well, who knows, right? So um, it's just another layer of fear that was getting onto that. And then when we got healthier, we're like, oh, my God, we have to see all these cultures because that's near and dear to who I am and have been for years. Mm -hmm. And I've been neglecting that. And so now we're able to get rid of our baggage and look look to being present in the moment. And what do we want to do? We want to explore other people's cultures. We want to see other parts of the world. How do other people live, you know, and figuring out what kind of... Great things we can take from their cultures and use them in our life and how we raise our son. So, but yeah, we love, we love hitting up different countries. So we've been all over the world. It's been great.
1: What's your favorite place that you've been?
2: Ooh, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, it's going to, for me, probably a tie, mm-hmm. uh, South Africa, and then also the Maldives okay. was, it was amazing. I um, want to go there, man. Yeah. Yeah. The it 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 was we were one of the only Americans on the whole island that we were on just because it's it was like thirty six hours traveling straight to get there but it was totally worth it yeah Uh, it was amazing and they love Americans they just every time they we just said thank you for coming to our country and how long were you guys there so we were in the Maldives for eight days eight days and then yeah and then we yeah it's actually not bad because you can get direct flights out of Dubai okay if you can get to Houston you can get a direct flight too. Houston to Dubai and then you're down the Maldives, but it's cool. A, it's a bit of a jaunt. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah.
1: Megan and I both we we really like traveling too, and we try to do as much as we can. And she's about to graduate in May, yeah. And we're planning our next big vacation, so yep. I've been trying to say there, but we're also planning our wedding, so we're like yeah. maybe we'll wait and do that as a, a honeymoon type of deal. But, yeah, and yeah.
2: South Africa was our honeymoon yeah. that we did, and it was actually very uh, another testament to both programs here. Um, you know, Amy's uh, father suddenly passed away, and that was right before we were getting ready to go on our honeymoon. <laughs> and we had talk about a fearful moment: do we go? Do we not go? What do we do in this moment? Mm-hmm. Um, and we were able to stay true to that, and we still went. Um, and it was an unbelievable trip that I'll remember for the rest of my life. But spending wow. you know time on the sea down there in Cape Town was amazing. We went inland. We went to an orphanage in Swaziland. Uh, which is now called Estwazi now or something. Mm-hmm. That's a different country now. <laughs> same, same, same government, right? Um, so we got to do that. We got to go to the estuaries. We got to go um, on all the safari tours and see all these amazing animals, and so it was it was great. And wow. I'm so glad we did that.
0: Absolutely. But fear,
2: you know, without being in the program, fear could have grabbed that moment and stolen that moment from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not hard to conceive that that would have happened. Wow. Um, you know, especially with the situation that we were dealt at the time with, um, you know, my brother-in-law. You know being uh sudden, st- suddenly thrust into guardian mode uh, yeah. which is which is tough to think about leaving and then hey, we're out of the country for you know two weeks you know hope
0: hopefully everything's okay you yeah. know mm-hmm. so do you uh still get out by yourself you you, uh, you you like to you like to get up in the mountains and fish and do all of those things. Do you, I, do, you, do you get up there by yourself?
2: Yeah, not as, not as much as, as, as I used to. And I, and I think once, uh, once our little guy gets a little bit bigger, it'll be easier. But I did take him up last year. And there's, there's moments where Amy will definitely, uh, it's appropriate for me to head out just by myself. Because I do get a lot of uh, rejuvenation and connect spiritually and get healthy out there in the woods. And so I like to be alone, cut out in the middle of nowhere. Um, which is getting tougher and tougher to do this day and age, but I, yeah. I still I still fight to find it and i and I love it, so That's yes
0: cool. especially in your state yeah
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah Colorado's a bit a bit tough right now, and a bunch um, of
1: people from california moving <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. there's just no wild places, even in montana though i' used to be that used to be my spot where I could go, and I would know where I'm at, and even then the last couple trips there it's all my places have been found out. I think uh, Apple Maps and or Google Maps and yeah. uh, you know Outside Magazine has been following me on my
0: phone somehow. <laughs> yeah. So you were talking about traveling outside the country. And I try not to travel outside the state. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, you don't. Yeah. Uh, you were kicking around. I. It sounded like just before we started this that you were contemplating maybe starting your own podcast now what what do you think that looks like
2: yeah i think uh, once i can kind of figure out i'm not, i'm not the most uh, technically uh, savvy individual <laughs> um, you, you know i'm from the 80s so <laughs> yeah. i don't know how to live my life just on a computer right um, so I, I, once the the technical aspects could get figured out i think it'd be something that would be very helpful mm-hmm. i think that there's a lot of people in Al-Anon that are gun shy that really want to hear and it's tough to get to a meeting and so again using the virtual Realm as a way to share recovery is reaching more people, which I think is uh, in true uh, true to what I believe as far as being of service. Absolutely. Um, and the other part of this, uh, the other part of this is that a podcast for you know a man to start in and I think, would be good and it'd be a game changer for a lot of people. I think that uh, at least I've run into. I would agree. So.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And honestly, Aaron and I had no idea what we were doing we just opened up google and started finding out what we were supposed to buy and what you need to do and then it's all been a learning process i mean we i wouldn't have known how to set any of this up what to use as audio like how to record i mean nothing so it's a lot easier than you would think yeah i'm I'm getting that you know yeah yeah Yeah. i mean clearly if we're just sitting here and it's working out fine you've
0: known me a minute (laughs) it can't be too difficult Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah
1: That's awesome. Well, we're about 50 minutes in on this thing. Aaron, do you have some other questions you'd like to ask? I just
0: wanted to verify a truth. Amy told us a story that perhaps a red flag that went up that you didn't see maybe was that... uh, Amy, when she would hang out, maybe with your football players, would drink them under the table. Oh, yeah. That <laughs> yeah. was this, Is that true? Did you... uh, yeah, that's all true. Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll leave my other my other buddy. Uh, his name, we'll leave him anonymous. <laughs> but he is a very very big guy. Um, you know, he played four years. Uh, he was getting recruited by Oregon actually in high school. Wow. So we're talking about legit college, or you know, a legit high school player going into college. And we hung out with him one night. And you know he can throw them down, right? Like we're talking suitcases of beer when we'd go for each night, you know, for <laughs> camping. Um, so, you know, half of his pickup would be taken with beer cans. But uh, they went, we all went drinking one night, and and you know Amy was putting tying one on like she like she did, and uh, and he the next day woke up and was like, I cannot believe. That your girlfriend kept <laughs> yeah. up with me and almost like drank him under the table oh, which i had never seen before yeah so that's you know,
0: awesome yeah that is a red flag yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: that's so funny
0: well
1: i just want to say thank you i th- honestly uh i this has probably been my favorite one just because i've learned so much so thank you for being a part of it and yeah. being open and honest on this and stuff because yeah. you know like it. It's kind of comes with some fear and stuff of its own of being vulnerable, putting yourself out there and stuff. Sure. So just thank you very much for being a part of this, man.
0: Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, Great I, podcast. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah,
1: it's awesome. And then uh, I was given some suggestions, so I'm going to reference again. Uh, you guys can find this podcast on any platform pretty much, iTunes, Stitcher, all of the above, and you can reach us on email at uh, recoveredafpodcast at gmail.com
0: for cool. a lock of Kyle's hair or a picture of this handsome man next to me. In some football pants. Yeah, <laughs> so,
2: yeah. I got a few of those sticking around awesome. somewhere in the basement. I'd be happy to sign them and send them out to you. Yes. Aaron and I were
1: uh, <laughs> kicking around the idea of getting a website. So if we do, maybe we'll post one of your football yes. pictures on it. So I, I
2: have one on the uh, Denver Broncos practice squad that was superimposed uh, <laughs> yeah. of, of me yeah. intern did years ago. That's so. awesome. We'll put that one out there too. R- okay. <laughs> right
1: on. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks again, man, for being a part of it. Yeah, thank you.